If you're open to the suffering, there's no way that running a startup will not make you a better human being. There is only one strategy. And we were spending seven, eight, nine million dollars a year in that zone. I'm happy to have on the show today, Mark Stoos. He's the CEO of Proof Analytics. They are an AI native analytics platform that enables you to plan, predict, prove, and pivot your go-to-market investments. So what would your advice be to people who are thinking about starting their first business? We're at the early stage right now. Oh man, there's so many lessons. Let me just start with this statement. If you're open to the suffering and what it will teach you, there's no way that running a startup will not make you a better human being. There's just no way, it's impossible. It will burn away, which is not a pleasant experience by the way, but it will burn away all the stuff that doesn't matter in you and about you. But you have the price that you pay for that is suffering. The other one B on that statement is that startups come in only two flavors, those that are nearly dead and those that are dead. You've got tons of problems and all the changes, even if your revenue is going in the right direction, you just exchange a, one collection of problems for another collection of problems. So you have to have an enormous amount of durability to do it. One of the things that I'm really opposed to is the lionization of startup founders. I think it's totally backwards, actually. I think there's so much pain and suffering that most people shouldn't do this. So the idea we went through, say, particularly say three or four years ago, we went through this period of time where basically the money was so easily raised and all this kind of stuff that a lot of people became startup founders that probably shouldn't have been. And it's not a, it's not a statement that they're somehow not as good as it's not a value statement. It's a statement about what their greatest purpose on earth probably really is. So you just have to be a certain kind of person to do it. And I think it's somewhat binary. I think that anyone can learn to be good at it, but is that the best way for you to spend your time is passing through all those lessons. Is there a better way for you to get what you need so that you can be what you ultimately were made to be? This is something that only you and maybe people who know you super well can answer. I think that also you need to be at peace with the fact every year on the anniversary of the founding of Proof, I look back on what's happened in the company in the past year, but I also look back on my own development and what's always really super disconcerting is identify usually anywhere from five to eight things that in the past year, I desperately needed to know before I went through these different situations, but didn't. So there's a lot of on the job training and you have to be fast. You're building out a, a logical construct that you start to slot all these lessons into so that you can more easily utilize them in the future. When I think about what I did not know five, six years ago that I desperately needed to know, I'm just sitting there going, oh my God, how did we ever get this far? It's a feeling that you were all of a sudden you realize how many bullets you dodged. And it's a little bit disconcerting because you realize that by all rights, you should probably be dead, but somehow you're not. 
one of the great ways that I think can improve people is particularly if you're a kind of a type A CEO founder type person is that you realize the value of your team. You realize how they have saved your ass so many times. It's just nuts. And yes, you have done the same for them. It's a great lesson in humility. It's a great lesson in perspective. And then for me personally, given the focus of proof, which is analytics, it's the reason why physics is both a science and a philosophy, because it describes how the world works. And there are certain kind of really esoteric kinds of conclusions that come out of that. And like in analytics, one of them is that there's everything is multivariable. There's tons of factors that come together to create an outcome at any given moment, which means that any one of those as a percentage of the total is small. But if you remove any of them, the whole thing changes radically. If that doesn't give you some humility about your own place in the universe, I don't know what will. Yeah, I think he said it extremely well. And you have to be ready to suffer and possibly put yourself to near death. And this is reality. So there's other things you can do with your life. <laughs> I think about like how many job offers or certainly I have gotten job offers as CEO, which is pretty hilarious when you stop and think about it. But it's not like you're not doing anything. I'm, and I always have to say, I think my shareholders would be really pissed. But you also get a ton of calls from recruiters. And you're just, I could probably, if I had taken that job, they probably would have funded the development of proof. The only difference would have been ownership. So I would have probably made a lot of money in that job. I probably would have had a lot of glory in that job but I would not have owned the asset. And there are times when just being totally real about it, where you're in a place and owning the asset maybe isn't your top priority in that moment, but it's just, you just have to make the choice and live with the choice. Because the other big lesson is that once you start it, particularly after you take on outside money of any kind and you start bring in people who you're not going to ever pay them what they could be making in some big company. So there's an opportunity cost for each one of them in this decision as well. So if you just say after 18 or 20 months, I don't want to do this anymore. It's taking too long or whatever, which it always takes longer than you think. Okay. You're actually shafting a whole bunch of people. So you can't see this. If you take a job somewhere and you're not happy in nine months or 12 months, even though your employer might not like it, you can legitimately leave. You can't really do that with a startup. You're, it's more like a marriage in some sense than anything else. You can you leave a marriage. People do it all the time. Can you leave more difficult without though. creating massive amounts of pain and suffering? No, you can't. Going from an I-shaped leader to a T-shaped leader. What does that actually mean? The idea is that the vertical part of the T is your deep, specialized knowledge and experience. And that's really important. But if it's all you've got, you're going to top out. You won't go past a certain point successfully anyway. 
The T is all about contextual knowledge. And that could be all kinds of stuff, but certainly for our purposes, that's becoming a very proficient business leader to the point where you are approaching your area of specialization and your teams in that specialization through the lens of the business. So this is another way of talking about this is that is the idea around strategy, that there is only one strategy and that's a business strategy. So that would be the horizontal and that everything else, it's the function operationalizing itself in support of the strategy. So it means that there is no such thing as a marketing strategy, a sales strategy, an IT strategy, an HR strategy. Those, that's just not actually the way it really works at all. The functions are operations supported by tactics, tactical choices that the functions make that all together support the strategy, the business strategy. That would be another example, a more operational example of the T. So it's one strategy and then it's creating all these operations and processes that align within it, within these departments and sectors. People are using these words and they're meaning different things than what the words actually really mean. And the problem is that words have real meanings. You don't just get to use the word however you want to, particularly not in a structured environment like most businesses. Or if you yes. call, somebody, so call something a financial statement and it's not a financial statement, everyone's going to say, you're an idiot. Yeah, so it's a shared language. Shared language for the shorthand to work. This is why professions and cultures of all kinds develop a shorthand, right? Is that they got to have a fast way of referencing things that they all have in common and they all already know what something means. And so when somebody says it, they all go, oh, I understand what he's talking about. So in the go-to-market strategy refinement, what have you done with AI to really bring that together? I think that one of the biggest challenges that most businesses have ever had with data science in general is operationalizing it. It's typically too slow, for example. It's the cult of precision, that would be the data science side, versus the cult of pragmatism, that's the business. Like one of the big criticisms that business people have of data scientists is that when they need to make the decision, the data scientists don't know anything. So they make the best decision that they can. And three months later, the data scientists walk in and with all these insights and they're like, dude, it's too late. So we had in the attempt to solve a lot of the classic marketing ROI questions that business leaders had, we had totally operationalized traditional data science in support of that. And that kind of really culminated for me personally, anyway, at Honeywell. And then I as you do that, as you move through that whole process, which is a learning process, you, one of the things that you learn is that the problems that you are solving for while important are not really the problems. So back then, 10 years ago, we didn't have a lot of automation that we could rely on. And so we were having to solve the latency problem, the scalability problem, even the understandability problem by spending a lot of money hiring a lot more data scientists than we would normally hire just to get the throughput. And we were spending seven, eight, nine million million a year in that zone. 
there's not a lot of companies that can or will spend that kind of money just on analytics for go to market. They're just not going to do that. And yet that was clearly the solution. So in order to make it available to a lot more people, we realized that we had to automate big parts of it and speed it up and get the scale through software, not through people. And so that's proof analytics in a nutshell. That's what we built. It's great where you can take all that knowledge and expertise and then build it in software. It's much more scalable that way. It is. And you find out how well you really know the problem not only objectively, or let's call it technically, but how well do you really understand how your customer sees the problem? And those two things are not necessarily perfectly intertwined. It's a, I think one of the hardest things about being a startup founder, whatever, is to do it, you have to have a very strong, largely correct perspective on how to solve a problem. And simultaneously, you have to be willing to listen to what the marketplace is saying to you about what they need and what they will accept at any given moment. Anyone who tells you that's easy is, they're not telling you the truth. It's not easy. That's what we continue to work on because people's maturity, customers' maturity on this whole subject is not static. It keeps moving. You update your product to reflect where your ICP, your ideal customer portrait, where that group of people is now, instead of where they were three or four years ago. So Mark, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with your company or yourself, how could they do? Probably the best way to reach me is through LinkedIn. I'm very active. I'm not a salesy kind of guy, so you don't need to worry about that with me. If you send me a PM or you comment below some comment of mine, and you say, hey, by the way, Mark, I'd love to talk to you. I will always respond promptly to that. We'll talk about what you want to talk about, not what I have to be doing. So unless you ask me, in which case I'm happy to. So that's the best way to do it. I wouldn't say email, honestly. I'm much more like my 18-year-old son and my 16-year-old son. That whole generation basically goes, email? You got to be kidding me. Today, most of my email is crap. It's people trying to sell me stuff. It's spam that somehow got through. So I don't really check out, check it just a whole lot. So really I would say LinkedIn is the way to go. And you can also check out Mark's website, proofanalytics.ai. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Mark, for coming on the show. And thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.